Plenty of time. Cannot take a sack here. Ryan will fire. Oh, the my end zone. Oh! Open for a touchdown is Callender. Lennon, desperation time. That's a trick play. The lateral around. This is Royal. And Royal is hammered in Boston College has rallied in Lane Stadium. 14 points in the last 2-11, thanks in large part to the senior quarterback. And Lane Stadium's crowd leaves stunned. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, sitting here Wednesday night, and we've got college football going on. We got Maction this week. Throughout the week, we have the college football playoffs. How about that? The college football playoff rankings just came out. And I don't know about you, but we got to 100% computerize this stuff, just like we talked about in that off-season segment, don't we? Agreed, Dan. I, I for one, am uh, looking forward to our new robot overlords. Um, it, it was funny because, you know, we knew – it, it, everyone, everyone on Twitter, everyone on social media, ev- everyone knew we were going to hate hate them when they were revealed, and we all collectively did. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, we see Alabama. It seems like the loss didn't even count. They get in slotted at number two. Cincinnati all the way down at six. I, you know, I know we're ACC guys, and, and you know all that. I even had issues with Pitt coming in at twenty five. I mean, really, like. Pitt losing to Western Michigan and then Miami at home, they should be favored or, or you know ranked over. It's it's almost like the resume matters for some teams and it doesn't matter for others. And I don't know. I, our friend of the pod, you know, Josh Pate, late kick Josh. This is a perfect tweet. After I read this tweet, my head fell off and rolled down the stairs. Imagine being told this in August: ACC will have three ta- three teams in the first CFP rankings. Clemson and UNC won't be among them, but Uyungle and Howell will both be healthy. It's kind of mind-blowing. Wow. It's, yeah, the inconsistencies of the playoff committee, we've talked about that year after year after year. And at least to be fair, obviously I didn't like two SEC teams being the top two because that's almost a guarantee regardless of what happens in the SEC championship. They'll both get in. Cincinnati's sitting at six that and Oregon, Ohio State, like that that whole placement at four and five really didn't make sense to me. At least to be fair, Wake at nine, I think, is I'll take that because I think there is certainly a path for them to run the table and get to the playoffs. And that's fine. As far as the other ACC teams, we had NC State coming in at 19, Pitt at 25. Maybe I didn't agree with those entirely, but I don't really care outside of the top 12 simply because those teams, it's just a recognition thing outside of the top 10 to 12. None of those teams are getting in the playoffs, so the rankings really don't matter. Yeah, agreed. It really would, you know, we've talked about it in our preview, uh, season preview, or actually it was our our, uh, award-winning pod about fixing all the college football. Do away with preseason rankings. And then make the schedules more consistent throughout the country. And then uh, the one I loved was, depending on, you know, when we could, this is when we can bring the computers back in. Depending on the ranking would determine how many uh, 
teams get in the college football playoff. And it could it could be four one year, you know, six one year, eight, whatever. I really think that would be – it would add so much intrigue to it. I don't agree with going to the 12 or the 16 or the whatever because, I mean, come on. Those teams should not be vying for a national title. Yeah, and even if there is a fixed number of teams, I love that idea that you you and I actually independently came up with, and it was the same exact idea that was really funny on that fixing college football episode. I love the idea of that. But yeah. even if there's a fixed number of teams, it's got to be computer-based to just remove all bias. And I said there should be one model that's 100% results-based that determines the playoffs, but the strengths of wins and losses is determined by another much more advanced, like an SP plus type model. I think that's what makes the most sense, but just as long as it's computer based, I can't complain as much as I am right now. Yeah. One, one kind of shadow thing that would play a big role would be if the CFP wasn't strictly ESPN based and it was kind of like the Super Bowl. would go to NBC and then CBS and Fox and ESPN or whatever, if it kind of rotated around like that, you wouldn't have a TV station or, you know, a a network that is basically cheering for the SEC because they host SEC games or, you know, you know what I mean? Or I I don't know. I just think it would be better if it kind of rotated around. You wouldn't have because it's a factor. I don't care what anyone says. It's a factor of trying to get certain teams in to boost certain ratings rather than just promoting college football as a whole. I think that would be you know, so much better for the sport. And also a Josh Pate, or was it Josh Pate or was it um, J-Boy? But one of them said talked about the playoff games potentially being at the home stadiums of the higher seed. I think, oh, that, yeah. would help. I think that would help your cause as well. Because be it's going to be a sellout regardless. Yeah, agreed. And just think about, you know, the look, bowl games are fine. They're great. But there, there is an element. And, and people have said this, you know, when you go to the Super Bowl, it's kind of similar. It can be similar. It's kind of a sterile environment. It's a lot of corporate guys that got tickets and gave them out to people. Imagine, you know, Georgia hosting a college football playoff game or Notre Dame or, or I mean, that place would be, they would lose their mind and, or, or better yet, imagine Cincinnati hosting a playoff game. I mean, that would be the biggest single event in the school's history and that it would get to be a part of, they would get, you know, fans and you know faculty or whatever would all get to be a part of it because it's on their campus. It would be amazing. They'd cancel class for a month. I guarantee you, but <laughs> We've got a lot to cover this episode. We're going to dig into a little bit of the transfer news that we got out of Florida State earlier today. We'll talk about the games going on. and It's week 10 already. So week 10 this weekend, we got a selection of six games, all ACC versus ACC. We're going to have my guy DJ on the host of the Hill podcast for UVA talk a little bit about their defensive struggles and what we could attribute that to. They are on a bye this week, but definitely deserve some attention. And then we'll make our picks as usual. So let's start with, actually, you know what, before we get started, I have to pitch a little bit this this contest that we've been doing here at Pipeline. So 
the in the Discord, you could find a chance at a free $20. We talk about this every episode. It's basically you get 10 prop questions, just 50-50. Some of them are betting lines. Some of them are just made up by me. But they're 50-50 props regarding the ACC games. And nine of them are like that. The 10th question is you can only find on the pod. And today it is, what was the year and matchup of the best college football game you've ever been to? So you get an f- extra bonus point if you just give me a year and two teams, basically, that played each other that year. And I'm really curious to see your answers. So yeah, Discord is where you can find it, or I'll post it on Twitter as well. Find the Discord link for Pipeline in our description, and it is a free chance at $20. All right, so Jason, we just found out earlier today that Florida State quarterback Chubba Purdy will be transferring, entering the portal. Personally, I thought he might have been the future. I think people are putting a little bit too much stock into this, overreacting a little bit, because I think this move really makes a lot of sense. It's not surprising. It's late year. It's late in year two of his career at Florida State. Jordan Travis has more years of eligibility after this year and clearly Mike Norvell thinks Travis is the guy but I'm curious am I underreacting now well you know what I'm excited about I'm excited that we keep our ice cold streak alive you know we've talked about it with we mentioned Roy Williams he retired a week later we mentioned coach K he announced his retirement that same week I think it was just last episode that you mentioned maybe it's time to give Purdy a chance and let him start the rest of the season. <laughs> and here he goes re- entering the transfer portal. So again, our white ice cold streak stays alive. I, I don't know. I, I would do. I mean, I, I kind of see, I kind of see Jordan Travis. I don't want to say a game manager. It can have such a negative connotation, but in that vein, right. And I don't mean that as a knock on Jordan Travis. But I, I actually agreed with you. If, if you know, Florida State, you know, they're sitting there at, at three and five, probably aren't going to make it to a bowl. Just see what you got. You know, put the rookies in. I mean, he's not a rookie, but put the younger guys in and just see what you have. You know, you, you never know. You could be sitting on a uh, Oklahoma situation where they had Spencer Rattler and just wasn't performing. Went to Caleb Williams, and all of a sudden they've kind of caught fire offensively. So, I don't know. Give him a shot. And, you know, if you if he doesn't pan out, then you'll have your answer and you'll know you can move forward with Jordan Travis. So I I don't I don't necessarily know if it's an overreaction, but I I can see his point of view and wanting to move on. I just if I was Mike Norville, and maybe they know maybe they know the answer from practice. But um, just from an outsider's perspective, I would have given him a shot. Fair enough. But, yeah, like you said, they. Definitely. They're the ones watching practice every day. And Jordan Travis, we know what he is. He's competent. He's a top 14 quarterback in the ACC. He's worthy of being an ACC starter. (laughs) Top 14. Yeah, I guess you're right. Good. But he's not going to be the leading charge behind a Florida State complete rebuild. So Purdy might have been. Obviously now he won't be. But I just think... If there's the fact that 
it's now, like I said, late in year two of Purdy's college career, and he hasn't started yet. I don't think that it would. I think that indicates that he hasn't made big developments and is ready to break out and be a phenomenal quarterback quite yet. So I, I think it's definitely notable, which is why I opened it on the podcast, but I don't think it's a gigantic deal. Yeah, so. I agree. Anyway, let's go, let's get to the game. So first off, we got Virginia tech at Boston college Friday night game on ESPN two. This one's kind of funny because Bud Elliott today on Twitter opens up some sort of can of worms, says not even like his own tweet. He just says in some reply to some random person's tweet, I'm hearing rumors that Phil Dracovic might be back. And I just want to say from my perspective, from what I, the sources, the direct sources that I've had, I don't think that's true. Phil Dracovic will not be playing this week. So the line actually shifted from Virginia tech minus three, three and a half to Virginia tech minus two and a half very quickly. So if you're able to jump on that, good for you. I think it's back up to either three or three and a half again. So, but yeah, just want to open off this game discussion by saying, based on what I've heard, Jerkovic will not be playing in this game. Yeah. You texted me this and uh, I immediately put, put on my Jerkovic Jersey that I had, thrown in the back of my closet. I put on the, the engineer's cap because I was ready to, to hop aboard the Jakovic hype train once again, only to have my hopes dashed. So I'm sure Eagles fans would have uh, loved it if that's true. And, you know, we had mentioned before that we had heard he might come back this year. So it was definitely within the realm of possibility, you know, once you texted me that. But uh, it probably isn't going to be the case. I mean, I'm with you. If you were able to somehow get, you know, BC plus three and a half and then it dropped to Virginia Tech two and a half and you could get them on that side and then hope it lands on the number, that'd be amazing. Double payout. So I don't know. Boston College, obviously their, their year has fallen apart without Djokovic. They have yet to win that conference game. Can they pull it off at home Friday night game? You know, Chestnut Hill can be especially with night games can be tough, but I don't just don't know how passionate the fans are going to necessarily feel um, with their season kind of going in the tank. Yeah. These are definitely two teams that had much higher expectations going into the year four and four is not where either team wanted to be at this point. This is going to be a, probably a very ugly game. Like most games are for either of these two teams because their defenses are decent and their quarterback plays are, not quite decent. I think for BC, it's actually going to be, if I had to, obviously I'm not positive on this part, but if I had to guess between Grossell and Emmett Moorhead, the true freshman, I think Moorhead is likely going to start for BC, but that I'm not, that I don't have confirmed. So that's just speculation. But any, in any case, the matchup between Moorhead and Burmeister we're not going to see a lot of offense and the over under 50, 46.5 to indicate that definitely an accurate uh, over under. So let's move on to 12 o'clock slate on Saturday. So we've got two games. You know, we're going to build up the tension here. So we're going to start with Pittsburgh at Duke and 
Duke. I think my my guy uh, Bob, who is the one of the very few Duke football fans I know on Twitter. I think his he goes by Bob the Broker on Twitter, and he said Duke. He said Duke gave up a hundred unanswered points. They when I was talking about how BC might be pushing Duke for the worst team in the ACC. That Duke football fan was passionately saying, "No, you better put Duke at 14. So we don't see the one at being bad. <laughs> I just don't see this one going very different. Twenty-one point five in favor of the Panthers. Finally, that line just keeps going up and up in in Duke games. Even at home, they're twenty-one and a half. Pitt's going to put up a ton of points. Does Duke keep it respectable? That's up to their offense. Yeah. Uh- I think you're going to, you know, the Blue Devils are going to face an angry pit team, team that, uh, you know, lost a winnable game against Miami, a game in which Kenny Pickett put up 500 plus yards. They're not going to be happy and they're going to want to take it out on someone. And Duke is the lucky benefactor here. And, you know, when Duke played Wake, we've seen Wake's defense be iffy sometimes this year when they played him last week. Thought, Hey, maybe, maybe, you know, with Duran at running back and Holmberg at quarterback, we've seen Duke put up some points this year. They only put up seven. And uh, Pittsburgh's defense a little little better than Wake's. And although Duke is at home, I, I just don't don't see this going any way other than a, a Panther slaughter. Well, if you are not a Pittsburgh Panthers fan or I guess a Duke Blue Devils fan, I highly recommend you turn on this game at the 12 o'clock slot. It is Wake Forest, number nine Wake Forest, at North Carolina. And the reason this is such a blockbuster game is because North Carolina is actually favored. So, uh, yes, they are at home, but just the way both of these two seasons have been playing, you wouldn't think that would be the case. But I guess... They have a good matchup against the Wake defense, who they've had some injuries, they've had some struggles. Howell has kind of changed a little bit this year based on his receiving core and his personnel around him from one of those guys that's just chucking downfield and a lot of RPOs, deep passes, De'Ami Brown, Des Newsome, to more quick hitters, and... You know, hopefully the receiver makes a big play after it because his receiver is just not capable of going vertical. So I, I, I think that actually plays well against the weight defense, that style of offense. It's There's definitely going to be a lot of scoring. There's just – it'll be interesting to see if UNC could have any sort of answer for Wake's offense, who I keep preaching this, they're right up there with Pitt and UVA's offense in the ACC. Yeah, you know – Unranked team favored over a top 10 team. It just shows a couple things. Vegas really doesn't respect Wake Forest. It also shows that, you know, North Carolina has the ability to put up a lot of points. They also have ability to give up a lot of points, as we talked about last pod and how their defensive coordinator should probably be fired. So it'll be interesting. I, I mean, obviously, Wake has an outside shot at the CFP. Uh, they can if they lose this game. Uh, one thing that kind of struck me, though, over under 76 and a half, I actually thought it was a little low. I thought it might be – it might break 80, maybe 84, because I just 
it makes me think the game's going to go under. And I just would find that interesting that, you know, Vegas is kind of leaning this toward the under and they're giving UNC the favored status. Interesting matchup. Definitely going to be fun to watch. I totally agree. I was, while you were talking, I was actually just about to bring that up. Um, yeah, 75 and a half. You, if you just told me that was the over-under, I think Wake is favorite. Because look at the, the number of points Wake has put up every single game. I'll just quickly read. 42, 41, 35, 37, 37, 40, 70, 45. And UNC is one of the worst defenses in the ACC, certainly below average. So the implied score has Wake only scoring 36 and a half. The implied score based on the over-under and the line. That just doesn't make sense to me. So that is super interesting. Yeah, I mean, look at la- look at you know you just talked about Wake's offense. Look at uh, UNC's defense since the Virginia game. They've given up 39, 45. They give up seven against Duke, but then 35, 42, 44. That's a lot of big numbers. Plus, both of these teams play fast-paced offenses, and that means there's a lot of plays, and a lot of plays means a lot of points. So. Very questionable on a lot of fronts there. But next game, we've got a 12.30 slot, so I might be able to catch the end of this. It'll probably be playing second fiddle for the most part, but we got Georgia Tech at Miami, 3-5 and five Georgia Tech, 4-4 four and four Miami. Miami seems to have turned a corner. They are, they have, what, 3-1 and one in their last four since that doink in the UVA game. So, oh, the the two and one. I'm sorry, they they had that three point loss to North Carolina. They beat a very good NC State team and they beat a very good Pitt team. And I think a lot of that is due to what Tyler Van Dyke has done at quarterback. I think he is a very legitimate future, and he fits the offense so much better than De'Ara King was. I'm not saying he's a better quarterback than De'Ara King, but he fits that Manny Diaz scheme, that uh, Rhett Lashley scheme, so much better. And I think they have a pretty good matchup against a Georgia Tech secondary that hasn't done well. Jalen Knighton will probably run for a good, decent amount of yards against that front, although Georgia Tech's front is definitely better than their secondary. So we'll see. But it's definitely a pretty underrated game just from a pure matchup standpoint. Maybe it doesn't mean much in terms of, ACC championship ambitions, but it certainly means a lot for both coaches. Yeah, agreed. Well, you know, you mentioned Miami turned the corner. I think Georgia Tech's turned the other corner, and they're going the wrong way. You know, Miami trending upward, Georgia Tech kind of trending down. And their schedule doesn't get any easier, so they, you know, if they could somehow go on the road and pull out a victory over a hot Hurricanes team as a double-digit dog, that would really put some wind in their sails. And on the flip side, you know, Manny Diaz was coaching for his life and he seems like maybe he's, maybe he's resurrected it. You know, he obviously got that kind of vote of no confidence from the athletic director a couple weeks ago. So losing this game would be disastrous for him and his future at Coral Gables, but winning it and they can just keep the momentum going. So you're right. An underrated matchup kind of under the radar. I think the the next one's also another un, under the radar matchup: NC State at Florida State, because 
NC State's obviously done a lot better this year, but it's only a three-point spread in favor of the pack on the road. So that'll be 4 o'clock. That has its own slot as far as ACC games are concerned on the ACC network. And we just had the news that Purdy is gone. So uh, Jordan Travis seems like the guy for for this year and next year. And we'll see how he... Does NC State? I'm very impressed by their by their linebackers, even with two guys being out, Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson. Just next man up, they've stepped up a lot. I think they have the formula to contain Jordan Travis, especially his most dangerous aspect is his legs. And NC State Devin Leary has been very under. I think like. Someone described him as an elite game manager, and I think that's the perfect way to put him. He definitely has the attributes of a game manager. He's not slinging the ball all around. He's just taking care of it, making the necessary throws, and never turning the ball over. That's why he's a game manager, but very, very elite in being one. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say, you know, in a maybe lesser quarterback-rich conference, he'd be getting much more spotlight. He's just buried beneath, you know, really the quarterback play of so many guys. And that's with DJ Ungle underperforming so much of the year. So, yeah, agreed. He's taking care of the ball, I think, 21 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Just really needs to, that to continue if the Pack want to kind of go on the road and, and get a uh, – it, what's going to probably amount to a, a pretty tough road victory. Here's an interesting note. Look at since the October 16th game at Boston College, NC State has not been able to run the ball. I look at night, 11 carries 41 yards, 8 carries 16 yards, 11 carries 23 yards, and I'm about to look at person. I'm Yeah, exactly the same. 9 carries 38 yards, 9 carries 54 yards, 8 carries... 21 yards. They've been very inefficient running the ball. And Florida State has a pretty decent front, so we'll see. But that hopefully they can get that going because that's definitely been an issue, an underrated issue that's held back NC State. So Yeah, I think we, when we when we were building our perfect perfect program to start the year, I think our our two running back rooms, what did we take? NC State and Georgia Tech? Correct. <laughs> two duds. Uh, I think we, we, we missed the boat on that one this year. But, you know, in our defense, the, those were kind of the h- highest rated rooms, and they had performed well last year. So we thought, you know, hey, just build on it, and kind of hasn't gone that way. So it will be important for Wolfpack Nation to, uh, you know, hope their guys can get on track on the ground because that really will free up Devin Leary to just keep what he's doing going and maybe put up some points to the air. We should have taken Duke and Syracuse. Just should have known, man. <laughs> it was so obvious. <laughs> I mean, they're no. I, we couldn't have predicted uh we could have predicted Duke to have a good running game or a like a high volume running game just because of their poor passing attack, but I don't think anybody saw just the magnitude of what Sean Tucker has done this year. Yeah, especially considering, you know, how uh, porous the offensive line has been in recent years. Unfortunately, Syracuse is on a bye this week, so we will not get a pleasing performance tweet after 
the game. <laughs> uh, all right, final game of the night. Clemson at Louisville, 7.30. Again, it stands alone in its time slot as far as the ACC slate is concerned. And it's like kind of that second tier Atlantic matchup. It's Clemson still only has two losses, so I guess what would happen if Louisville wins, they completely put Clemson's hope to bed, but I'd still put their AC even making the ACC championship game under five percent. We talked about that a little bit last episode, so but just regarding this game, over under forty seven and a half, I just saw that. Wow. That's pretty I low. see it at four, 46 and a half, so it's dropped even more. Well, Louisville has not played in many high-scoring games like they did last year. Their last, let's see, what were the totals of their most recent games? We had a 28-13 game a 20, and a 28-14 game, and 34-33, and but that's against UVA with an amazing offense and atrocious defense. So I think, honestly, when I said preseason, Louisville's going to take a step down offensively and take a step up defensively. And that take looked really bad after the first couple games, especially that Ole Miss game. But it's actually looking pretty good right now. Yeah, although our guy, Keetro Clark, I believe he got injured, right? Yeah, he's out for the season, I believe. Yeah. He's, he had a pretty good year. Not a 2020-like year, but I think he did have a pretty good year this year. So that that's unfortunate. Will Clemson really be able to capitalize and exploit a team through the passing game? I highly doubt it. It's going to be one of another snooze fest, in my opinion. Malik Cunningham's pretty dynamic. That's the only pitch I have to sell in this game. Watch Malik Cunningham. He's a pretty good dual threat quarterback, but that's really all I have to say. Yeah, and we, you know, we we did mention Will Shipley returning. Will that be the shot in the arm that the Tigers need? Yeah, definitely. But I think Will Shipley's pretty good. But it's just even if they had ETN back there their running game would not be that phenomenal with the way their passing game is just because teams like you've talked about so many times are stacking the box. So uh, that, that does it for our game previews. We will make our picks in just a little bit, but I'm going to get my uh, guy DJ on. We're going to talk a little bit about UVA, their defensive struggles and, what they need to do for to solve this issue in the future. So, Jason, are you ready to get him on? Let's do it. Oh, we'll hand it off to Tyler Algier, and he's got space. Gets to the edge, inside the 30, breaking a tackle, and he will go to the house. Career high, 266 yards rushing. Ties the school record with the five rushing touchdowns. So we are now joined by DJ, more commonly known maybe for some of you around here as RVA Who and the host of The Hill Podcast. DJ, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Doing all right. I appreciate you guys for having me on on this lovely Wednesday evening. Yeah, thank you. So obviously very much fresh on our mind is that pretty much abysmal defensive performance against BYU, but First off, I know you're obviously a huge Bronco Mendenhall guy, so I just I'm curious what you value in a UVA coach. You've obviously been a UVA fan for a while, and what do you value in a UVA coach, and how does Bronco fit that mold? Um, I value 
a UVA coach as in someone who is more than a leader of men on the field, but more off the field. You know, it's more about football and when it comes to Virginia football. And Bronco Mendenhall does a very valiant job of football and, you know, it's a family style atmosphere. It's a family culture, even from his coaching tree. It's, it's all family. It's all love. It's all family all the time. I love the tenacity that he brung to UVA from the beginning when it was a time in the program that was World War Three. you know, coming out of the London era. Couldn't have been more abysmal. Two and ten was the first year. And then every, every year since it's progressed. And all we've saw was slow progression. He's methodical in his decisions that he is making from such comments as is, you know, a couple years ago when people were asking, how do you feel about your team, you know, to start the season? He was like, I have 27 ACC players. You know, that was a that was a real truth behind an ugly statement and which spoke volumes to where the program stood then as opposed to the problems that we have now. You know what I mean? So he does a very good job of just putting the whole puzzle together, analytics, masterly sitting down thinking reading 900 books while you're reading this course he just never steers away from his script and that is just one thing that i love about that man he has a strong mode you know yeah i mean that's that's good insight dj and and you talk about that family atmosphere how frustrating was it to watch you know the the poor second half performance versus BYU, but also to see the BYU message boards mock their former defensive coordinator, Nick Howell. I think more frustrating than anything, having the folk in Provo tickle, giggle, and laugh. You know, when I think about Virginia, this isn't a program that I'm going to be laughed at by teams like that. Not Nothing against BYU. I see what you built. Our coach built what you got, and I love it. Hopefully I can, hopefully we can ride that same wagon, but to see the things that they said in the manner that they said it, it just kind of hit a light switch in my head. Like, you know, they, they were really marking this game three months ago because they knew it was a Nick Howell defense and was excited about the game and excited to say that, you know, they no longer have that defense. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't, dislike Nick Howell but the problem that we're having is I'm just not seeing the progression that should be there year six in a program when this is your established roots this this is the base of your tree this is your tree now you know what I mean this is nobody else's tree this is what you have built this is what you have put together and this is your formula so one plus one is not equal in two and somewhere someone has to figure it out yeah, and, and I know you've talked about uh, how it really you feel like it falls on the coaching instead of the players, but what do you think the main problem is? Is it the technique, the three-three-five scheme, the lack of effort? Um, I think it's a sense of complacency that was settled in when we were privileged enough to have guys like when they first got here, Tim Harris, Bryce Hall, Juan Thornhill, Quinn Blanding, you know, the likes of those guys were here. So it was fine then. And then you didn't reach that same standard of bringing your guys in. So you're seeing a multitude of things that are just ending cataclysmic right now. You know what I mean? You don't have the players for that system. Mm -hmm. Yet you have to keep running that system this late in the the season. 
I understand it. I get it. But it's like it was the biggest hope that he had when he drew up on the drawing board was like, forget it. B.A. didn't throw 700 yards. As long as we can stop him at 45, we're good. He's he going to score six. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of a a group effort. You know, the coach can only do so much. Mm-hmm. He can only tell you and put you in a, uh, in a position to succeed. And then it's on the player. And at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say that my player is soft or any of the above, you know, because it, that's just not the case. And you playing college football, I don't think there are many soft college football players out there. You're waking up at four and five in the morning to go to two a days, three a days. You got Kim 97 to take and do 900 math problems while this man Bronco riding your back. So I don't think any of them are soft. It's just a big whole pot of stuff that needs to be addressed from the top to the bottom. Someone has to take blame for it. We, we can't blame the players, so then it falls on who? Falls on the coach. All right, we can't blame Nick Howe. So, I mean, Bronco, it's, it's kind of falling on you. This is your stable. These are your horses. You feed them. And one of your horses aren't getting fed right now. And it's just crazy to me because look at the offensive coaches. They've just done so much to build it into basically a juggernaut. And we'll get to that in a second. We Obviously, I know you're a pretty positive guy. I follow your Twitter account. So we don't want to spend the entire segment venting. But just before we get to that point, UVA has – they've produced some good giraffe picks. Micah Kaiser, Juan Thornhill, Bryce Hall, Tim Harris, you, you mentioned them. Those guys, correct me if I'm wrong, those were all Mike London recruits. And now we zoom out. Things have kind of – the defense hasn't stayed the same. It's not that they haven't improved. They've actually regressed. Now we've got mm-hmm. – I mean, Charles Snowden, undrafted. Noah Taylor's draft stock is plummeting. Just talk to me about all that. Um, I think that all falls into with the scheme. You know, I can't speak too much as far as, you know, to some of these guys that's coming out draft stock. But as far as what happened, you know, in the past, as far as Kaiser, Quinn, you know, Quinn wasn't really put up in in a situation to succeed on the next level, I feel like, at home, you know, uh, because for him to be the athlete and the style player that he was and the records that he put up in the conference, not just for the team, the conference, to not be in the league, whoever did that, they're a war criminal. Whoever did that to Hasis Dubois, you are a war criminal is what you are. That man still ain't dropped the pass from like three years. <laughs> but to, to what it speaks to is the technique. The coaching, the development, somewhere in those three adjectives, something is not adding up and something is not turning the corner here. It's not. Uh, as far as, I heard you say, regression in the defense. Yeah, I said the same thing, man. You know, I said it on Twitter and a lot of people act like I was, you know, ungodly and the worst person on the planet. But there you have expectations. And these are the expectations that the people in charge have built now. It's not my fault that you came and took black ash and you made a pink diamond. It's, it's completely not my fault. So I'm going to hold you to those standards. That's just the way the game is played. That, that You play the game and win. Nothing else. 
And that's the standard that you're being held to. And the fact that we can have a conversation and say that, you know, we've given up 30 plus 39 times over the last six years, that's not normal. And no way, no how is there's no human being, alien, animal, whatever you want to say, there's nothing on this planet Earth that can convince me that that is normal in, in, in the game. There's nobody that can convince me that it is normal to be stuck between Yukon and New Mexico ranked defensively when those two teams get paid to get beat up every year. They, they, get, a, they get a $2 million payout to take 60 to the head. A lot of UVA fans was calling for Robert or not. I mean, look what the difference in between the rooms of what they've done. You know, 2J has had to play musical chairs with tight ends playing tackle for three and a half years until he built the thing he needed to build. Robert and I held on for as long as he could with Matt Johns. Then, then back got him Kurt Benkert. Then we went and got Bryce Perkins. Now you have somebody that have been in your system for two plus years. Oh, you better, you better show some results. You better. And it's exactly what we expected of you. Jason, back, you had nothing when you came in. All these coaches had nothing, and he acquired a gold mine, and now it's like a safe way. I ain't being mean about it. I'm just being factual about it. No, and that's just how I look at it, you know? That's, I think that's exactly what was needed, to be honest, but just somebody who is going to say the straight-up truth, given how the results have, like you've said, not shown over the past – well, six years now in the entire Bronco Mendenhall era. But I just want to end on a positive note because the offense has taken leaps and bounds every single year. Offensive staff is great. You you talked about them, Robert and I, Jason Beck, uh, Garrett 2J. Just talk to me. I know you, you're always a – you always talk about how you're a big Jay Wolfolk guy, the quarterback. Now, obviously – we, we hope he's not the quarterback the rest of the season and Brendan Armstrong is healthy enough to come back. But just long-term, why you like the guy so much? Uh, Jay Wolfolk is a very talented, talented young man. Uh, he is a high-valued MLB prospect. Uh, he throws piss missiles for nothing just because. He is very accurate. I watched him for four years at Benedictine High School. He is very, very mobile. I'm not sure if, if somebody want to go back and you listen to this podcast, you want to check, see what I'm talking about, how he will leave and leave you at the drop of a dime. There's a UVA clip out there of him getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And in the, in the, in the, in, if you blink, you will see him run past the entire team and everyone is running backwards. He, he is a great athlete. He has great accuracy from pitching, from baseball, great accuracy. And he, he puts it on the money. So as far as quarterbacking, you know, from Bryce to a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said this too. Brennan was a better passer than Bryce. Hey, shout out to them Hokie fans. You eating crow, right? <laughs> it, it tastes disgusting. I know. I know it do. I know it does. I, I promise you I know it does. But over here, it's Thanksgiving. He's eating. You know, from Bryce to Brennan to Jay, he is going to be a absolute stud absolute stud i am a huge 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 jay Walford fan club leader the, the lambda the lambda beta chapter richmond that's me yes sir 
So yeah, appreciate you coming on before you go. Just uh, your, just drop uh, information to find you on the Hill podcast and your Twitter at is OG who 34, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. You want to find me on Twitter? Holler at me at OG who 34, you know, you want to come check out our podcast. The podcast is the Hill podcast. You know, we on the roll up network. Shout out the guys at the roll up network down there in Florida. I appreciate you looking out. Bringing a bigger perspective up here, all the way from Florida to Virginia. You can hear us out there at the Hill Podcast. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you so much, and have a good one. So good stuff from DJ on UVA and some of their defensive struggles, some of their offensive hopes. We'll give you more on that down the line, but let's go and get into our betting segment of the pod. So, like we said, we are going to just like every episode bet against a spread of every ACC game, three non-ACC games, and a double-digit underdog outright. Two-point bonus for that. You get an ACC lock if you lose that. You you not only do not gain a point, but you actually lose a point in your score. And it's very even right now. Jason and I are tied up at 53. A long way to go. We're doing this whole academic year. Football and basketball. <laughs> But let's get started. So game number one, Virginia Tech at Boston College. I have this currently. It's shifted a lot over the past even two, three hours. So, Jason, let me know if it's any different in this book that you're looking at. But I currently have it at three-point favorites in favor of the Hokies. What what do you have? Yeah, I'm looking at six different books right now. All of them have them at minus three. Oh, perfect. Okay. So I'll start. I'm going Hokies. I. It was at three and a half earlier today. I think even at three and a half, I'd go Hokies. And just the, the insight that I got that Jakovic's not playing, some people don't know that. So I'm using that bit of knowledge to push that. I got a couple half points in favor of Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'll go Eagles. I'll roll the dice. Maybe Jakovic makes a surprise play. <laughs> yeah, if that happens, if. All right, real quickly, if that happens, where would you put the line at? You're 100% sure Jakovic plays, which is probably not going to happen. Well, I, I wouldn't, you know, with basically no, I won't say practice time, but very little practice time and game time, I wouldn't move it that much. Maybe maybe Virginia Tech minus one. You could maybe talk me into a pick em, but I, I'm not going to say BC minus three. If he had been playing all year and they had kind of lived up the expectations, then yeah, I'd say BC minus three, maybe more, maybe minus four. Okay. I was thinking BC minus three and four, but you actually swayed me. That's a good point about the limited practice and in-game experience he's had. So, fair enough. All right, Pittsburgh at Duke. And Panthers, I've got them at 21 points. And I'm going to go 21 on the dot. I know some books had 21 and a half, but majority, I think, are 21. I'm going to go Pitt. I think that's – honestly, this is the best line. I think, honestly, if I were to make a prediction, it would be Pitt by exactly three touchdowns. But if I had to go one, I'll go Pitt. I'll agree with you. I'm, I, think, uh, I think the Panthers are angry. You know, they are ranked, but they, they are going – you know, they still control their own destiny. And so they can't really mess around here. Go on the road, beat a downtrodden Duke team, go all out, shut down Mateo Durant, and call it a day. They do control their own destiny, but if they lose to Duke somehow, 
and beat UVA and UVA beats Virginia Virginia Tech, then we're looking at a very interesting three-way tie. Let's say Miami wins out, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at a very interesting three-way tie. All teams at six and two this is a very unlikely scenario, but also all, every team would be one and one against each other. So <laughs> yeah, I really dude. want that. that. That's ultimate coastal chaos. But. Coastal chaos. <laughs> anyway, exactly. that, that's very unlikely. We'll get there if that happens down the line. But moving on, we've got uh, Wake Forest at UNC. So I'll let you go with this one first. Two and a half, UNC minus two and a half I got. Yeah, the rare non-conference game between conference foes. This actually will not count toward conference standings. Um, it happens from time to time. I The, the line is so weird. I, I want to go UNC minus two and a half. I just can't. I've just seen too much porous defense. I, I mean, I'm, I know I, I want to cheer for all ACC teams equally. I kind of hope Wake wins and, you know, keeps their playoff hopes alive. Obviously, they lose this game. It's, it's over and we'll absolutely have no shot in, no matter how dark horse in, at the CFP. So I'm going to go Wake plus two and a half and hope for a lot of points too. I'm going Wake two and a half as well. Now, off my mind, I think that's the lock. But I think that the fact that it's, it's so off of what I think the line actually should be, I'm not going to mess with it too much. But I am still going to go Wake plus two and a half. And then uh, Georgia Tech at Miami. Miami 10.5-point favorites at home. Who are you going with for this one? I'm going to go Jackets plus 10.5. You know, I I don't know. I I just feel like they've kind of underperformed. You know, Collins and the Flying Jeffs, we talked about it last pod on our Halloween episode, really need to make a statement here. Miami's trending up so much. Maybe a little bit of a letdown situation. So I'm going to go Yellow Jackets plus 10.5. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go with that, too. I'm going uh, Jackets, I think, the same reasons you said, and we might be putting a little bit too much stock into recency when it comes to Miami. Yes, Van Dyke's been good, but they're not a phenomenal team. They're still a 4-4 four and four team, and I, I don't think they're much better than the record says, even at this moment. So Georgia Tech, I think, is I think 10 is too much, so I agree. Next up, NC State two and a half point favorites on the road against Florida State. I'm pretty confident that the Pack are able. I mean, I know they have those letdown losses every single year, but maybe those have already been behind them. And in that case, I think at two and a half, AI could get that. They could win by exactly a field goal and still cover. B, I think they could possibly win by significantly more. So I'm going NC State and I'm locking that one up. I'm actually going to go opposite with you. I'm going to go to the Knowles. I feel like just looking at this, you know, based on what we know of the teams, it probably should be a little higher. And the fact it's not, maybe that's, I feel like Vegas is baiting us into saying, well, the Wolfpack only need to win by three. So that, that's an easy one. You know, they're ranked 19th, Florida State unranked. So I'm going to go Seminoles. I'm contemplating locking it in just to really juice it up. So it'd be a two point swing either way. Uh, I'll I'll get to the next one and then I'll decide. We have never had a situation where we have locked opposite teams in a matchup before. Even when back when we did basketball locks <laughs> last spring. So 
This is getting intense. This is intense. I'm on the edge of my seat. That game would determine a big portion of what happens this week in terms of the standings. So, our standings, our. Uh, right. Yeah. Clemson minus four at Louisville, the final game of the night. Jason, who are you thinking? Clemson with their first cover of the year last week. They were 0 and 7 up until that point, but really they shouldn't have even gotten that cover. So, in my mind, as far as them playing, I kind of think of them as being 0 for 8, you know, ATS. I don't know. I, I keep, you know, at some point, don't they have to break out? I mean, have, I feel like we've said that for eight weeks now. So maybe it's just not true. I guess I'll give, I guess I'll give them the nod. Maybe Will Shipley, you know, helps them get on track. Uyunglele settles down a little bit with a running game. I'll guess Tigers minus four. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking that too. I'm going Clemson. Now, I've been very unimpressed by Louisville lately, and they could be easily falling into that. They're now 1-3 and three in their last four ACC games. They could very easily be falling into that last year kind of trap where they just keep losing and losing, and not getting dominated, but just losing and losing and losing. And so for that reason, I think I'm kind of hoping Louisville ends up pulling out this game, but I'm not confident they will. I'm going to Clemson minus four. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll keep it spicy. I'll I'll lock in the Knolls. Okay, so we got opposing locks, lock opposition. Very interesting. <laughs> First time in Pipeline ACC podcast history, and we're. I, think I we- was with you with the Wake. It seems like a gimme line, but because of that, it scares the hell out of me. So I'll 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 take a Seminoles flyer. Yeah, if I were actually to bet my own money on this, I'd say NC State and Georgia Tech would be the games I'd bet on. Everything else I'd leave alone. Yeah. So anyway, these are other games I'd bet my own money on because it's not ACC. I have choice of anything. These, this is all model based, like I've said, and I've got three one three games that I like the most: Air Force and minus two and a half hosting Army, Maryland ten and a half. Underdogs at Penn State, I like Maryland plus 10.5, and USC plus 8.5 against Arizona State. Trojans are at home. Now, naturally, I have a team that I'm betting against a spread and underdog at 10.5, so that's a very good value for my double digit dog to win outright. So I'm going Maryland money line as well. All right. <laughs> I thought we were going to have, uh, I thought we have. A second dose of um, Pipeline ACC podcast history because I was going to go Air Force minus two and a half, and I was going to go Maryland plus ten and a half, and I thought we were going to have our third one, you know, <laughs> basically be a wash. Not, neither of us can gain. For my third one, I'm going to take a flyer. This is probably silly to do, but I'm going to go uh, Missouri plus thirty-eight and a half against at Georgia. It just seems like a lot. I know, you know, Missouri's obviously terrible and Georgia's great. But um I'm I'm gonna go that big of a dog for my third pick. I'll I'll go San 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 Josie State. I've ridden them a couple times this year. They've paid off. I've also ridden them and they haven't paid off. So plus uh plus ten at Nevada. Okay. Yeah there's another uh game 
with a huge double digit, uh, more than double digit, like thirty something point underdog that I liked against the spread. It was I don't think it was that game, but it was just based on my model. I forgot it what it was. I'm just looking quickly right now. Um, so I'm not sure what it was, but regardless, uh, I think that I'll put a pen in. Jason, you have anything else to say before we hop off for the night? No, I mean, you know, football season's flying along, and you know what that means, basketball right around the corner. So it'll be fun next pod. We'll, we'll do the recap, of course, and we'll get into basketball season. And we'll do uh, some preview content for the ACC. We'll, as the the seasons kind of overlap, which I'm a little bit upset that the seasons do overlap because there's too many off season months of neither basketball nor football, and I hate having to prioritize. But on this podcast, I think it's better to prioritize football. So we'll kind of be doing we'll cover both on the episodes, but we will be doing more football than basketball while the seasons overlap. It's later in football season. It's just non-con play in basketball. So we'll do that, but thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Please give us a five-star review if you like what you heard, and join our Discord. Do that contest. It's a free chance at $20, so there's no reason not to do it. But anyway, with that being said, thanks for listening once again, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast.